The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber at Morgan Stanley's HQ, where he'll have an exclusive with CEO James Gorman in the next hour. Meantime, futures bounce from Wednesday's spill. Worst day for the S&P since September. This morning stayed a fairly dovish. Final Q3 GDP. Philly Fed both miss. 10-year 383 is a new cycle low. Our roadmap begins with this halted rally, but futures do point to a rebound. Micron riding the AI wave. Shares on track for the highest close since early 22. And Sanjay Marotra is going to join us this hour. And Warner Brothers Discovery early talks about a deal with Paramount. Of course, we will discuss. Let's begin, though, with David, ahead of his interview with Morgan Stanley's James Gorman. We mentioned yesterday, David, so many different avenues uh, to tread with James today. Yeah, you know, listen, it's uh, it's always an interesting opportunity, Carl, to sit down with somebody who's been running an institution, as uh, Mr. Gorman has here at Morgan Stanley for, let's call it, the last 14 years, and has obviously had a significant uh, track record of success over that period of time. The stock certainly outperforming, for example, their chief rival, Goldman Sachs, and many others uh, in the group as well, one way that we judge. But, you know, it'll be an interesting opportunity to sort of talk to him have him be somewhat reflective, I hope, in terms of those 14 years, how things have changed, how they haven't. Uh, and what his views are of, uh, of sort of where the industry sits right now and where Morgan Stanley sits in terms of uh, how he's leaving this institution. Obviously, leaving the CEO role, as you guys know, but will remain uh, as executive chairman for roughly another year uh, or so. But still a significant exit, so to speak, from the financial services industry, and we're certainly happy to have the opportunity to talk to Mr. Gorman about that, as you said, Carl, in the next hour of Squawking the Street. You know, David, it will be so good to hear about someone in the industry who said, we're going to get out of all the controversial things, that they don't work, all the things that people, the highfalutin things, the government doesn't like them. And he had that vision, David, and that vision, that vision really paid off, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, he, there were opportunities and he took advantage of them is the way certainly one person who knows Gorman well and worked with him uh, for a long time is, is sort of uh, put it to me, Jim, you know, whether it was the opportunity, obviously, to take in uh, Sol- uh, Solomon Smith Barney uh, and or uh, some of the others and transform really this institution to a certain extent as a result of those deals and then execute. Right. That's always the key part. You got to take advantage of your opportunities and then you have to actually execute on them. And I, I think it's fair to say, and I know you believe that Gorman did both. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm a total believer. It's a huge position for my travel trust. And it's really because of Gorman's leadership that he understood that he is going to be an asset gatherer. And he's really one of the great private uh, private money gatherers. And it's the division that everybody now wants. And he had the vision to understand that it was it was worth leading with. A lot of people really screwed up. This guy did not screw up. And sometimes, you know what, David, that's all it takes. <laughs> that's true, particularly Carl in financial services. You know, as we well know, it's it is 15 years ago. But uh, it, that memory of the uh, of the uh, global financial crisis uh, is still with us. Yeah. So, yes, we do understand that. Yeah, we've been tracking some of the top picks for 2024 today. Evercore, B of A, KKR, 
and Morgan Stanley. Stanley. Well, I'll tell you, his performance has only exceeded, you'll, David, hope this bring it out, by his humility. I mean, this is a person who came from very humble gatherings, but it was like really humble. You know how people always like humble and in, in, when you're at Wall Street means you only have three houses? This guy's for real. <laughs> I know. And not one to be overly self-reflective. I'm hoping we'll get him a little bit more today, uh, <laughs> Carl, you know, because uh, these are these exit interviews are a little bit different. All right. We're not going to be focused as much on uh, on all the uh, all the parts of the balance sheet. Yes. Although a Faber exit interview isn't always a f- an exit forever, no, as we now that's know. That's right. That's a good uh, point. We, we can't that's wait for later point. this morning. Uh, let's get to the markets. <laughs> Talk about yesterday's sell off. As we mentioned, a worst day for the S&P since September. Every Dow name down. First time that's happened since March, Jim. Uh, Goldman today says hard to hard to explain. Well, look, you have the zero day options. I mean, they can put pressure. They've been taking over the market about forty uh, percent of the S- all of S and P option volume is this stuff. It's one day thing, and it can put a lot of pressure on the market. You sell the put, and that means the dealers have to sell the common stock. But you know what? Here's the the thing that I don't get is that why do we think they're over? I mean, I don't want anyone to feel at all. Uh, at ease now that what happened happened because it can come happen again. These are, that's the whole problem with daily options. So enjoy the opening and just hope that they don't come back because it was obvious that they could take the market for a loop. Uh, it does, though, kind of fit with your playbook, which has been Powerful. the pillars are in place for a bull, but overbought. So you, uh, you buy, as City said, you buy into the dips, expect the dips and buy five into them? Day, five day percent because these are all parabolic dips and that's what you have to wait for a, par- a parabola of a really good stock can go down without a problem. You know, I, last night I was very conscious of the lightning round. You know, I've been doing the lightning round for 19 years, and every stock was parabolic. And people don't want to hear that. I mean, if a stock is going from 10 to 20 in six weeks, I can't say, hey, listen, that one is what you got to get in on that one. That's a parabolic move. And I've never seen a parabolic move ever last. So even though I may not catch the top for these for people, I know that the bottom certainly isn't there, and I just don't want to hurt anybody. Parabolic moves must be sold, something I learned very early on about 25 years ago, and I'm sticking by it. Uh, there were some uh, geopolitical headlines, David, which we talked about actually earlier in the day. Um, and, uh, and I think it's Goldman today, the desk looking at that, uh, the options element. Uh, but they say the incoming feedback this morning is to buy the dip. And we do see small caps uh, benefiting the most today. Yeah, well, we saw it last week as well with that outperformance in terms of the Russell, uh, you know, especially obviously with the move down in rates. Jim, you know, you've been naming a few names lately where you do want to take profits. Is anything uh, you've mentioned this sort of parabolic move the last few days, I think much of this week. Is there anything in particular that you're thinking about when you uh, yes, when you do advise people to say, hey, don't be greedy? I find that almost every single enterprise software name has gone up. The Alteryx didn't help that takeout. These are all straight line. And I find that when you ask people what they do, what these companies do, invariably they say, here's what they do. They have stocks that go higher. You can't get them to even name what it does. Oh, yeah, I know. I know what Datadog does. It goes higher. Well, that's just great. Well, how about MongoDB? Oh, my God, MongoDB, it goes higher. I mean, what is this? This is not how you, <laughs> Sam Sarah. Oh, I got a line on that. You know, that. That one goes up. This is not the way stocks should be picked, and yet it is the way that they are being picked. And it, it's very worrisome when you see that. Why didn't we benefit from a, a beneficial yield backdrop yesterday? Was that a change? Yeah. I mean, I think that we're just in the this 
period where, as we know, 58% of the people are, are now retail, and they just like momentum. They don't care about anything else. They look at the momentum, and they say, give me momentum. And I think that when you say, give me momentum, uh, and things reverse, they have no idea what they bought. And you can just follow along with the crawl at the bottom. And you can see stocks, and if they're up two or three in the morning, they buy those. And if you ask them what, what CRISPR technology does, they, they, they think that CRISPR is going to merge with toast, and you're going to have CRISPR toast. <laughs> Um, uh, Meanwhile, uh, I'm just thinking about oil adding to this today. Uh, Oil got close to 75. Angola is going to leave. OPEC market share is going to maybe fall below 50, Jim. That's going to help headline. Well, I know that you have to have natural gas go up, and natural gas is very, very low. The fourth firm in a row recommended Kotara today, which is a natural gas company. Uh, We own it for the trust. It can't get off $25. I just think that... uh, this is a group that's in limbo, whether it's Angola or not, and that's because we're pumping 13 and a half million barrels. I mean, we weren't supposed to pump more than 12. And people said we're not going to be the swing, and yet we are the swing. And these other countries are small; they're all small bull. Yeah, uh, David, as the Atlantic wrote yesterday, uh, pumped more this year in the United States than any country has in the history of the world, and that includes countries like Russia or Saudi oh. Arabia. I did not know that. Um, but, Jim, you say we still have more to go. We could do more. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, look, when, do you think when Exxon is done with Pioneer, Pioneer's not going to produce three? I think they can produce three without a problem. Uh, a lot of these, but EOG can produce much more. Uh, I see that Occidental obviously can produce much more. The Permian is fecund. And remember, by the way, David, we're using fewer rigs. Can you imagine what would happen if we put more rigs in the ground? We're using fewer than we were last year. Right. But the technology continues to improve. I mean, yep. we've said this many times because we talk about tech and obviously we talk often about things like artificial intelligence and generative AI and all the different ways that, it, uh, that we see it emerging. But the advances in technology in this industry, Jim, have been just as profound, haven't they? Yeah, well, you can drill down a mile and then drill to the right for two miles. I mean, this stuff is never supposed to be able to be done. These are not straws. It is incredible to me how far, how wide they can do. So instead of like having to drill uh, every mile, they just send the pipe along the mile. And by the way, when you go there, it looks like, David, that they are playing with joysticks. It looks like they're playing Grand Theft Auto, but they're not. They're playing pipe. It's amazing that they, yeah, that they can have something run two miles out and then it can it can meet up like that. Uh, it's unbelievable. just amazing. If anyone went um, there, by the way, you would have no idea what they're doing. I mean, you, you wouldn't. They're like, you know, kind of having a finger on a button and moving the joystick over. And you're absolutely certain that it's NVIDIA and they're playing games. <laughs> kind of looks like that. Guys, uh, wanted to sort of end this block uh, talking a bit about, of course, what became a story late yesterday. Uh, we had a conversation about it, Jim, you and I uh, as well. And that is the future and fate, perhaps, of Paramount. Um, there was an upgrade yesterday. You and I had a com- uh, We talked about it. I sort of was dubious, certainly, when it came to potential buyers for the entire company. Obviously, our parent company, uh, Comcast, which in the past has been talked about. 
but regulatory and any number of other reasons not really there. But Warner Brothers Discovery, while, uh, again, I made the point yesterday that getting bigger in, in linear cable networks would not be something that you would expect them to want to do. Nonetheless, uh, through uh, our reporting and many others, uh, we do know that they are mulling it and considering it. And as part of that, have had at least one conversation. That is David Zaslav, Backish, David Zaslav, Sherry Redstone as well, uh, the um, control shareholder there. Jim, you know, I can give you any number of reasons on both sides here as to why you could argue that this is something they will certainly think about, namely being that it is for sale. And when there is a sale, you have to at least consider it. And then there are any number of arguments as to why Warner Brothers Discovery shareholders might say, please don't do this. Um, It's not regulatory in terms of the impediment that another buyer might face, for example, our parent company, as much as it is, well, do you want to get bigger in linear cable, which obviously is uh, declining at a very rapid rate? Um, Do you want to deal with integration and the risks that that uh, poses? Remember AT&T with Warner Brothers Discovery, or I should say when when Discovery took in Warner Brothers, uh, they found a lot of things that they didn't expect, and a lot of them were not good in terms of on the cost side of the business. Took them a while to sort of work through that. You've been getting your investor base accustomed to generating a lot of free cash flow, to the delevering story. And so, you know, that's one side. The other is, hey, you could supercharge Max. You could take a competitor out. You'll have billions in potential synergies, as you well know, if you put the two studios together and international and so many other areas that maybe you do do it. You get sports, the NFL, college football. They can be added to your overall. You get a broadcast network. And so, Jim, you know, I think, um, listen, you and I both have conversations. We do it with decision makers. And, uh, you know, my comments yesterday were based on that, of course. But decision makers' opinions sometimes seem to change, don't they? Yes, look, I think this deal with Paramount makes a ton of sense. The reason I say that is because Max is actually doing a lot better than people realize. Uh, Paramount, I think, is actually doing a lot worse than people realize. But if you put them together, you do have the sports powerhouse, which really matters because sports still works. Uh, we know Paramount's got a great uh, NFL contract. We know there's, that uh, Warner's got a ton uh, of sports. Warner's got a great uh, studio. And, David, scale matters more than anything else in the world, and this gives them scale. It does, but it's not clear that they don't have scale already with Max, and they, you know, they're just going to begin it internationally in terms of the distribution. And so, sure. you know, there is, there is a, a, not an insignificant risk in pursuing something like this, despite what might be billions in potential synergies. Uh, and regulatory-wise, while it might appear, as we well know, so many other deals appear to be, uh, easy to get through. Nothing's easy. Uh, and so they may be thinking, well, we can get this thing done in 11 months. We got, uh, we got Warner done in 11 months. Well, you never know, right? And that's yet another potential impediment. That's true. So um, I think we just have to wait and see. If something were to happen, it may happen fairly quickly. Uh, it, it's not going to be that difficult, perhaps, if they really decide to move all in here. But they're going to need to talk to their shareholder base and really get a sense as to what, what those shareholders were thinking. You saw after the reports yesterday, Warner Brothers Discovery stock did sell off uh, fairly significantly, but perhaps it's going to rebound a bit this morning. But David, Warner Brothers Discovery is not getting much credit for anything that uh, David Zaslow has done. Or do you think that, the more, that people just remain skeptical that anything's been done by David Zaslow? Oh, no. I think they, they believe that. You do get a low multiple here, to your point. Right. Um, 
there are still a lot of questions about leverage and the ad environment and how quickly the cable networks they own are going to continue to decline. And that still is the bulk of, right, the vast amount of their cash flow. But they are making some money at max. And the real question is, can that move much more quickly to a bigger number with Paramount as a part of it? Totally. Great point. And defending your life with uh, about... I don't know if you've seen Defending Your Life, but... I have. You did. Brooks. Uh, Brooks, it's fantastic. I think Max is real good. David, I think you're real good. And tell James I said hi. (laughs) Got it. We'll see David before then. In the meantime, we'll talk some Micron uh, riding the AI wave with a quarterly beat, guidance above consensus. We'll talk about that with Sanjay Marotra later on this morning. Futures hanging in there. We'll get to Boeing, CarMax, Tesla, CRM, Spotify in a minute. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. One of the most exciting conference calls I have been on in ages, Carl, it's Micron. They didn't just have an earnings beat, they had a major inflection moment. And it's so good to hear for the entire industry, which you'll see being flying. Positive outlook for the quarter ahead, boosting the stock rather radically. CEO Sanjay Marotra joins us now. Sanjay, this was so exciting to hear you say the things you said. First of all, Jim, thank you for having me on the show. And uh, yes, in our fiscal first quarter, Micron uh, exceeded the revenue, uh, EPS, uh, gross margins versus the guidance that we had provided in the September quarter. What we saw versus our uh, expectations in September was that the pricing trend was even stronger than what we had expected back then. And of course, Micron has been able to capitalize on this. We expect pricing to continue to increase. And this is because of the improving demand supply balance. And uh, we see that uh, Micron financial performance will continue to gain momentum through the year as pricing continues to improve. Uh, We guided uh, to return to profitability in our May quarter and return to free cash flow in our August quarter. So we are excited about the opportunities ahead and we are well positioned with our technology, products, manufacturing, and customer relationships. All right, now people need to know, because I speak to you after every quarter, this is it. I mean, you have told me many times, I'm preternaturally bullish, and you told me many times, hold back, Jim, hold back. Not yet, not yet. You're not saying that, and you're not saying it for PCs, which you are calling the bottom one. For mobile, you're calling the bottom. For automotive, you're calling the bottom. For industrial, you're calling the bottom. How is this going to unfold? Well, Jim, um, in terms of uh, uh, over the last two years, 
Uh, we have seen that PCs and smartphones have seen significant declines in terms of units being sold in the market year over year. And we see that in calendar year 24, PCs, smartphones, servers, they will have modest unit growth. But what's exciting is that they will all have increased content in them. AI is driving increased demand for memory in data center applications, as well as across uh, the edge in smartphone, PCs, automotives, and various industrial applications. Along with this, customer inventories have normalized in smartphone and PC markets, which have been large for us. Data center inventory continues to be somewhat high. We have said it will normalize in first half uh, of calendar 24, and that will then enable a further boost to the demand. So it's really these market trends and AI is bringing in increased unit content. AI is driving more demand for memory and data center as AI proliferates from training to inference, but AI is also proliferating to edge. You will have smartphones that will have AI capabilities that will be introduced in 24, that will start resulting in increased opportunity later in 24, and building into a full year of momentum in 25. PCs, same thing. AI PCs will be introduced in 24. Later in 24, they will start being sold in the market and become a full force in 25 timeframe. And think about it, these smartphones, these PCs with generative AI capabilities being implemented in them, large language models in them, they require four to eight gigabyte more memory in the AI-enabled devices. That translates to about 40 to 80% growth in PCs versus a standard PC for DRAM content. It points to 40 to 80% growth in smartphones versus high-end smartphone DRAM content. So yes, AI is enabling strong opportunities for us from data center to the edge. Now, people have to understand, you have said over and over again, glut, 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 too much inventory, glut. This time, you were talking about how there is so much demand that we're going to see continued price benefit. So this is not a one-quarter phenomenon. This is not a one-quarter phenomenon. We see strong demand supply environment, improving demand supply environment through 24 and 25 timeframe. We have said that we expect revenue, record revenue TAM for our industry in calendar year 25. So Jim, we talked a lot about the demand drivers. I think the other side of the equation, which is very important in the memory industry, is the supply. And what's been happening in the industry is that CapEx has been reduced, factories have run under utilization in order to bring supply in line with demand. Yes, over the course of last several quarters, there was excess supply, and now that supply growth has been significantly cut back. And another important factor, Jim, is that there is high bandwidth memory that is needed in data center applications, and that high bandwidth memory needs two times more wafers to produce the same number of gigabytes as standard memory. And what that does is in this environment of cutbacks in CapEx, cutbacks in wafer production, it's resulting in and more shift toward high bandwidth memory, which is higher profitability, high revenue opportunity, it's leaving less memory for the rest of the markets. So supply is getting constrained. So demand and supply balance is going to continue to improve through calendar year 
2024. We call it the year of recovery because we have had such de steep decline in prices and such steep demand supply imbalance over the course of last four to five quarters that 24 will be a year of recovery, improving trends in financial performance, gathering momentum for us, and we expect, we plan to be extremely disciplined when it comes to supply management, and this will all result in a strong 2025. Wow. Uh, Sanjay, it is so great to hear your voice and to hear you like this after so many times where I tried to get you that you just are a truth taker. You would not say it before it got the bottom. People need to know this is a very serious call. Sanjay Marocha, Micron CEO, President, Director, I thank you for sharing this first with us on CNBC. Thank you, Jim, and happy holidays to you Same. and all your viewers. Same to you. Same to your wife, too. Thank we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell this morning, talk about some of the halo effects that Micron is bringing, at least to tech. Take one more look here at the pre-market. More Squawk on the Street continues in a minute. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. One of my favorite companies, the pride of Cincinnati, Cintas. Cintas, people might know them as uniforms. They may know them for restroom supplies, for first aid, for safety, for fire protection. More than a million clients, small, medium-sized business. They reported another blowout quarter. What does this say about the economy? Small and medium-sized business is the backbone of our country, and they are doing incredibly well. One million customers that are doing well, we'll hear from him tonight. Uh, that's Todd Schneider. And you cannot have a recession if Cintas is blowing the doors up. You just can't. Uh, certainly fits with claims today. 205, uh, down 10K from the prior week. Even continuing claims had a downtick. I'm always worried that someone will say, wait a second, Syntax is doing so well, we can't cut rates. No, this is the part of the economy that is, like paychecks, it has just sailed right through. Because these are the people who actually add employees. These companies just cut. Let's get the opening bell here and the CNBC real-time exchange of the big board. Offshore wind installation company Cadillac celebrating its listing at the NASDAQ, the Salvation Army of Greater New York. Uh, sort of an inverse here of uh, the close yesterday, yes. Jim. What do you do with this, though? Well, you got to take a look at the stocks. And if the stock has gone straight up in the seven-week period, now eight-week period, then you must sell some. I'm not saying um, so that you should be selective. I'm saying the opposite. Don't be select. Just sell some. Because these stocks will not be able to sustain this at the beginning of next year. When other people are going to come in and say, you know what? 
I just have a great capital gain. I've managed to defer it till 2024, but I got to take it now. And people who think that somehow this can continue, they should study history. It has never continued. I mean, I, I, it is, I mean, I'll just point blank saying this is sell time. A lot of the desks today point out that tomorrow is going to be the final trading day of the year for many. Um, that said, Jim, I mean, we do have upgrades of names you like, like uh, CRM uh, uh, today over at well, Morgan Stanley. Yesterday there was a downgrade. Oh, my God. Salesforce is doing so well. People calling it a value stock with no growth. I mean, there's a guy by the name of Mark Benioff, and you should go to tell him right now that he has a value stock with no growth because you will be quite wrong. David? You are familiar with Salesforce. Why do you think everyone is picking on him after he's already taken out 10,000 people and has done what the activists want, which is grow, grow, grow? In terms of potential margin improvement, though, Jim, you know, when those activists got involved, what, over a year ago or so, uh, um, there was a lot of focus on what were margins that simply don't match up. How do they look now? Oh, my. When you when you take out 10,000 people, when you have one salesperson calling with four products instead of four salespeople calling with four products, the Elliott method here, what you find is the margins explode. But also because of AI, the revenues exploded. They are your way to find out what AI means, whether it be for a bank, whether it be insurance company, whether it be retailer. They're the guys you can go to. They can, you can go to ServiceNow and you go to Salesforce. And you say, look, what is this AI? And Benioff will walk you through it. Benioff and his top guys, who, by the way, are just great soldiers. So, David, revenues are going up, headcount going down. I'm calling that nirvana. All right. But that said, Jim, you've also been pointing to stocks that have had incredible runs. And I would assume that Salesforce is amongst them, given its 100 percent rise this year. You do not, however, believe that there's a, a, an opportunity to potentially sell some? I do think, uh, all right, that's a really great question. You cut me to the quick on it. I, there are a couple of stocks, Salesforce, Costco, NVIDIA, and Apple that I'm choosing not to sell because I don't know when I can get back in them. That's my principal worry. Don't know when I can get back in them. And they're so great that there I'm willing to take a hit. Most stocks, though, I will not take a hit going into 2024 because I'm going to pull, pull some back. Witness Broadcom, which I think is terrific, but that was a parabolic move. That was a 20% move in two weeks. That's different from Salesforce, which has been climbing over time. So or, that's my problem. Or Caterpillar. Uh, Bernstein today, negative catalyst watch. Oh, what the? Stretch, neg- stretch valuation, backlog, deteriorating earnings. Yeah, he's been negative for, you see that thing? He's been negative for the whole, for the whole parabola. I mean, a uh, parabola that he missed, and now he comes out and says, hey, be careful. Well, where were you at 208 when I was screaming to people to buy it? Oh, no. No, so, he thought Cat was a dog. So there, he doesn't know anything. There are parabolas you'll sell, but there are parabolas you will not sell. Well, that one is actually leveled off here. But, yes, that's because, Carl, one of the things you've worked with me for how many years? Oh, I have a right to be arbitrary and capricious, <laughs> and I've earned it. <laughs> 
Um, there are a bunch of interesting calls that, that I think about you when I read. Uh, Dutch Bros, Webbush, uh, top pick, best idea today is a <laughs> they, good example. They've cleaned it up, and I've met with them, and I'm very proud that they managed to be able to slow down some of their willy-nilly expansion, which was really hurting them. I told them to raise capital when it was at 40. They didn't listen to me, but when it got to the mid-20s, they did. They have the capital to expand, and they have, of course, the Annihilator, the single best caffeine drink in the world, which in a world of Celsius, you know? Yes. I mean, that's Celsius. I looked at it. So what's the difference between Celsius and Dow Chemical? But up up. <laughs> It's no longer Dow Chemical, I know, it's just Dow, but I used it for emphasis. Uh, there is news on Boeing, Jim. Uh, these reports that they may deliver their first Dreamliner to China, uh, first since 2021, would pave a way for the MAX. We know what kind of move that's been. Yo, that's been a complete travel, and David Faber may make fun of me, but now is the time. That's a stock that is literally up in a straight line from 180 to 265, the move that I missed, of course, because David told me to sell it. And David, this is a definition of a problem. That's what it is. I know. Uh, I like that first graph that we use because it. I just want to complete the Christmas tree. It's so pretty. Um, and it's seasonal. I mean, it's perfect. Uh, but yeah, that gives you a sense as to the move up in Boeing. And it is entirely my fault, Jim, as we've said many times, for questioning you when you were so negative for so long and yet owned the stock. And then obviously you chose to sell it at exactly the wrong time. Well, I'm writing a book about you. Is what I'm writing a book about what to do when a person who's incredibly smart, smarter than you, tells you to sell and you believe. And it's called, Why Didn't I Listen to David Faber? Is that a great title, Carl, for a book? Why Didn't I Listen to David Faber? <laughs> trust, trust your gut. How about that? Trust yeah, your oh, gut. Oh, I like sell. that. Trust your gut. That'll sell tens of dozens. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I'll oh, tell you God. something, David. This stock, it could fold like the Eagles. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. Ooh. We're not folding. Ooh. We're not folding. Just a joke. Ooh. We're not folding. I'll see there it you is. in There's Vegas. My, Christmas tree. my half Christmas tree. Um, guys, I, you know, we spent uh, we spent a lot of time on Warner Brothers and, uh, and Paramount. I don't want to uh, belabor it, but it is interesting to note both stocks are down. Uh, so there's nothing the market likes here. You know, like the possibility that Paramount gets potentially taken out or at least questioning what price that would be. And, and Warner Brothers Discovery shares are down another 3% today after a sell-off late in the day yesterday as well. Because, listen, Jim, they take on a lot of leverage here. You know, even if you do an all-stock deal, there's a lot of debt at Paramount, too. It just may be, just may be something they don't want to see. That but said... Yeah, well, David, what about... We'll, we'll see what they... What, you, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, one company that doesn't have a lot of debt that could be involved is a company that you happen to work for, Comcast. And I thought you might do a little pining about that because I want to keep my job. Okay. Well, uh, I, you know, as I've said before, and I believe to be the case, again, decision makers sometimes do change their mind. That said, I, it doesn't seem to me that Comcast could really enter the fray here. From a regulatory perspective, it's difficult to do. You've, you've got two broadcast networks. You've got to figure that out, right? Right. Um, and, and, on, and, and on from there. So it becomes, I think, difficult for Comcast from a regulatory standpoint to potentially pursue it. Uh, not to mention, it just may not be something that, it, that, that really moves the needle enough in terms of scale. Um, and there's always that issue of how you would structure it and voting control and things like that. So I think really our parent company, if in fact... Warner Brothers Discovery were to do the Paramount deal, Jim, the question becomes, well, then what? What do you do? Um, you know, what do you do with Peacock? 
Can you win? We all know going into this next year, we all know, we've all speculated for quite some time that there needs to be consolidation and or rationalization amongst the providers of direct-to-consumer services, streaming services, right? You can't keep spending this much money with this little return. At some point, it's got to stop. And next year will probably, probably be that year, but how that occurs is still very much unclear. Well, I mean, yeah, Carl, that's a great analysis because what's happened is these are all losing money, these different services, and I don't see an end to the losses unless someone bites the bullet, and that's everyone's been reluctant yeah, to do that. The market's definitely getting ahead of uh, certainly management commentary. Wells today uh, believes that uh, Comcast for Warner is more likely, doesn't think we need to spin NBC to do it. I thought that was very interesting because I thought that you would because antitrust is so ferocious in this country. But I think that leaving Comcast out of the equation is going to make you look like you haven't thought hard enough. But I like David's analysis. Uh, We'll see. Uh, David, a lot of the commentary this morning is about uh, Sherry basically having cleared the path for people to start talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, And listen, let's not forget the other alternative, which we've discussed, which is somebody buying the control stake through buying national amusements, the control stake in uh, Paramount. That still remains a possibility. There is interest in that, of course, we've talked about uh, and others have reported on as well. And so she's got a couple of different places she can go to try to um, find some value. What I do believe is clear is they're they're certainly listening uh, at Paramount uh, to any and all potential offers, whether they be for the control stake or for the entire company. You know, David, when I was out to see Andy Jassy, who is a sports fan, it, it is clear that if there's sports, he's interested. And we talk about all these companies and their Lilliputian compared to Amazon. Couldn't Amazon just say, you know what? The NFL contract, I, I can buy this Paramount, I get to CBS, you know. Hey, I'll just go do that. What do you think? I just, I mean, I think regulatory-wise, that's a very difficult thing for them to consider doing. I just don't see them getting the approval. Now, listen, things can change. Administrations change. We know that, Jim, but that's a tough one. Um, Because I think, frankly, if Amazon were a potential buyer, you'd have Warner Brothers Discovery probably saying, buy us. Come on, you know, pay a big premium and we'll be yours. So, you know, that, that it would be a possibility in a different world. I don't know how Amazon views it, but... Uh, it, it, it's hard to imagine from a regulatory standpoint. Speaking of giants with cash, Jim, a couple stories on Apple today. One is Bloomberg saying they're going to ramp up their production of the Vision Pro, wow. uh, aiming for a February launch. FT arguing uh, that their AI research suggests they are looking to catch up with some of their Silicon Valley rivals. Well, look, I, you just heard of Sanjay Marotra. I mean, Sanjay Marotra is just talking about AI phones, but he's talking about his Apple phones. And Sanjay, again, was very, very negative for a very long time. This is incredibly positive for Apple. As far as the uh, Vision Pro, I've already I've surveyed all the analysts and they hate it. They haven't tried it, but they hate Tony Saganegi says it's <laughs> it's the, the, it, it's it's worst. It's it's best times have already happened. I'm not you know that's a joke. He's not saying that. But David, having tried it and loved it, I can tell you that the analysts are looking for a new thing to be negative on. They weren't negative enough on the phone. It's it's, it's going to be Vision Pro. They will just hate it because they say oh it's heavy it's got too much it hasn't known enough writing for it not enough sports david it'll be legion how much they hate this thing and they'll be wrong they'll be wrong well you forgot the one thing that i always focus on which is that price tag is it has it come down at all is it still what was it originally going to be priced at jim over three thousand dollars ever heard of the word fungible 
Yeah. Well, it's fungible. That, like, that's a word. That's uh, something I was putting out there. Look, Mike Siebert, I asked Siebert from T-Mobile. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. I asked Mike Siebert, T-Mobile, would he ever think about doing some sort of buy now, pay later thing with Vision Pro and Apple? And he said no. No, it, it's, it's not a wireless thing. It uses the broadband. Uh, that's what he, he, he said. It's not Gee, his business. You watch, yeah. did you, you watch the interview. <laughs> you watch the interview. I can't. Thank you, David, for paying homage there. But you know what? They need, they need a party to get involved because it is too expensive for most people around the world. And I don't know what they're going to do about that. I have not figured it out. But they can do a buy now, pay later with a firm like everybody else, you know. Uh, Jim, a couple movers this morning on earnings uh, to the degree we're getting them. Carnival, a a narrower than expected loss, targeting EBITDA ahead of estimates. Uh, EBITDA target Q1, 800 million, EPS uh, loss of 22. Uh, It's a bit light on consensus, but um, for fiscal 24, it's ahead. Nice number. And people were saying that uh, the wave season was going to be good for them. They're catching up to Royal, catching up to Norwegian. My favorite for the day, because I happen to spend some time with this company, and Carmax. I love it, is CarMax. Yeah. I mean, they're, you're starting to see you know, you're a little uptick in, uh, in the, how much they're making per car, which does not necessarily mean that prices are going up. They happen to be using AI to be able to figure out instantaneously what to charge for a car. And they are able to, therefore, be much more uniform, almost like a new car company. Uh, really smart group of guys, done a lot of things right. CarMax is a very inexpensive stock. People should consider owning it just because the, comp- the company's management embraces technology like none other. Uh, that brings us to Morgan Stanley Jonas today, reiterating overweight for GM. Uh, on this ongoing thought, Jim, that EV growth is decelerating, good news for ICE, good news for legacy OEMs. I think he's dead right. Look, I, I think that, by the way, see, there are two, two showmen in this business, and I don't mean that negatively. Dan Ives and Adam Jonas catch your attention because they're good writers, but they're also incredibly thoughtful. And I thought that Jonas's piece about what's bad news for EV is what's good news about Ford and GM is why my trust has such a big position in Ford because they are the ice machine. And that extends to suppliers as well, I would assume? Yes, okay. yes. I, I will mag this, a lot of this stuff. But I, I think that what people have to recognize with Ford is that they're the hybrid company. And hybrid is where people are making the most money. And uh, I think that Ford got the zeitgeist. Now, maybe you could say they got it wrong with the the F-150 Lightning, that they thought they'd sell more, and that the Mustang is too expensive. The Mustang is too expensive. But when it comes to the F-150, it really is the winner, and they can churn them out, and small business loves them. David, really quick, since you're uh, at Morgan Stanley today, in financials, uh, these reports that Citi is considering getting out of some distressed debt, uh, one more thing to watch amid their ongoing restructuring. Yeah, I mean, I'll kind of throw it back to Jim when it comes to City, given he's he hasn't been particularly constructive on that stock, and rightly so, for a long period of time. That said, you can see it has benefited, like so many of the others, at least of late, um, given the, both the, the uh, decline in rates and the belief that the economy continues to remain strong. But you see the story there in terms of Jane Frazier making a lot of different moves, Jim. The question is, you know, you're finally going to be able to generate a real return on tangible equity at that company that investors are going to pay attention to and like. 
that is really the answer. What's the tangible book value versus the what every other book uh, bank is? Because it's so far below where this above where the stock is. The stock is so low that they have to do something. And I don't know whether these different uh, divisions you get rid of distressed debt that's going to mean anything when Charlie Scharf has put together uh, a string of consent degree that. That is, is incredible, where he's done just one after another after another, not his fault, and that banks up 20%. That's the one to be at Wells Fargo. David? Yeah. Wells Fargo? Uh, it's twice the, it, no, yeah. Wells Fargo. It's, and, 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 you know, I always like to look at market cap, as you guys know. I mean, Citi remains below $100 billion. It's Wells Fargo's market cap is twice the size of Citi's. Citi's, Citi's bite size. It is bite-sized. Uh, you know, for a major financial, global financial institution, it's bite-sized. I don't know if right. anybody's going to take a bite, but... No, and yeah. I, I do think that it's interesting that Wells Fargo calls nine times earnings. I mean, I hear all these people say, oh, the stock market is so expensive. This used to be the finest bank in the country during the days when Warren Buffett owned it nine times. I mean, come on, go buy some. It's cheap. Uh, quick reminder, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. You can sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club or just use the QR code on your screen when it comes up. It takes you right there. As we go to break, uh, as we said earlier, data fairly dovish today. Uh, we will get uh, LEI coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, all, all sectors are green, led by Infotech, NASDAQ up 1%. And yesterday, all Dow stocks were down. Today, almost all Dow well. stocks are up, with the exception of name like Cat and Chevron. Back in a minute. Let's get stopped trading with Jim. There are a lot of read-throughs this morning to Micron. You see them all over the semiconductor world, but I think what if the people bothered to read what Sanjay Marocher said, you would t- take the read-through to NVIDIA. NVIDIA is the constant theme behind all of his AI. It's the partnership with NVIDIA that he seems to be most proud of. And I know David said, look, this stock is, are you, is this a parabolic move? It is anything but a parabolic move. The stock has literally done nothing since our May conference that we had with the CEO council. And yet I think it's time for it to move, given the fact it's a 25 times earnings and 20, 20 times 2025 earnings. It's the most inexpensive of the Magnificent Seven. Uh, no surprise it's leading the S&P right now? Nope. And one of the things that I, I want to point out about this is that they typically you not see them in a lot of the areas that uh, that Sanjay talked about. I mean, PCs is AMD. And, uh, if they're really going to be involved in all these new areas, it would be incredible. They have such a software component. My, my theory for 2024 is I'm forgetting about the hardware component of NVIDIA. I'm talking software because that's where they're going to have the giant lead that people don't even expect them to have yet. Uh, Wells today says they tried to play devil's advocate on the Micron call. Didn't work. Uh, they argue uh, the most important thing is they're managing bit production, playing for ASPs next year, which well, Sanjay kind of got to. I, I think I would go a little further and say they're not playing. They didn't know. They didn't see this coming. They did not try to restrain. They spent a lot more money than I wish they had. I, mean, I usually was screaming at him saying, why don't you stop building already? Why do you keep building? And he'd be like, you know, Jim, you're actually a TV person. I'm in the business. Or, you know. um, but, yeah, they, he just, even though he'd been bullish about one day there being a bottom, they don't have enough capacity, which is why you have the holy grail of incredible demand and not enough supply. Micron's going to 100. 
So how about tonight? Well, okay, so I have Cintas. We just talked about them being great. Oh, boy, I got Domino's. What a rejuvenation of Domino's. It is just unbelievable. And then we have the passing of the torch at Levi Strauss. Oh, that's right. Chip Bird and Michelle Goss. That's going to be very exciting. Although, of course, uh, Chip's a, you know, he likes the Niners. They, they, there's some stadium. What's the stadium they play at? There? <laughs> you know, uh, it's our last uh, show of the year with you, no. me, and, and David. No. And David went and took my guest for the last show. Well, that's just a come up. It's, <laughs> no, I love you guys. This is like, I don't, sometimes people say, I, you, I work for free. You're never supposed to say that. See, we have people called agents. But I do love working with you. How about that? David, have a great one. Thank you, buddy. You too. Yeah, absolutely, um, guys. Yeah, I know. See, we're he likes all, me. Yeah, Here this is Till the this new year. And then we'll just come we'll in see hot. Some interesting okay. combinations yeah. next week at this time. Yeah, <laughs> but then we'll be back. There we go. We'll see Thank you, Jim. You. I'll see you yeah. tonight. Mad Money, of course. David still to come with the Morgan Stanley's James Gorman in the next hour. Dow's up 265. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.